Week one in the books. Week two is here. Ladies, gentlemen, fellas, 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 the week two NFL betting show. I got four pickaruskis for right now, at least, right? I'm tracking line movement. Line movement's been real wild the first week and two when the line's moving, right? Line goes in or out of your favor if you're not familiar. We'll go over week one, what happened there. We went three and three, and the Andre Swift cost us from a profitable weekend, but we forgive. We forgive the rookie. It's fine. He's probably dealing with it in a hard way. Who really cares about my specific bet on that one? For him, he's probably getting a lot more slack for it. We give him a little bit of forgiveness. So it's all good. It's all good. We go three and three. It was actually a fine week. I would have been even better player prop wise. It was fine, but a bunch of stuff we're going to go through for week two. I have four bets that I have in right now, and I expect to probably make a couple more, maybe one or two more. I'm really watching some line movement, but before we get into it, welcome if you're brand new to the channel. What I do here is I cover fantasy sports. I cover sports betting. I cover it all from an analytical standpoint. If you watched in week one, about 7,000 of you, how y'all doing? Analytical standpoint, but obviously you add the human context to it, right? You have to have a balance of both of those things. If you're just looking at numbers all day, those numbers don't always tell the whole story. So you always have to add that human element to it, a little bit of the film study if you really want to, but really also just a little bit of human intuition and actually making sense of what's going on in these numbers and what's going on on the field themselves. So we go from there. I'll be taking a look at Vegas Insider. As you can see, I'll flip through it if you're watching on the YouTube version. Some of the numbers, some of the spots where they're going to be moving their lines. I think Fantasy Labs, Vegas Betting Dashboard is also a great spot to track line movement, percentage of bets, opening lines, all that type of stuff, team totals. And what I have behind me is just a sheet that I create. It's on Patreon where I have a ton of stuff for fantasy sports. If you're interested in that, I make videos every single day on this channel. This one right here is a sports betting video for the NFL Week 2 picks. And they're going to be spread picks. There are four spread picks where I think we can get some action right now. And also the line's going to be moving. So you might want to wait on one of them. I think it's moving in our favor. It continues to, but I go through these ones right now. 250 plus of you subscribed from this specific video last week. Welcome. If you're coming back to this one as your second video watching or a bunch of them, but I would greatly appreciate it. If you could hit that like button, like button right there, it takes a couple seconds of your time, bottom right hand corner and the subscribe button really helps this channel grow. Big one pops up on the screen, totally free bottom right hand corner. If you can do that, it allows me to keep putting these videos out and putting even more videos out because then we generate some sponsors and things like that. And if you're listening on the podcast version, $50 giveaway once a week to somebody who leaves a podcast review. Subscribe to the podcast, two seconds. Leave a 30-second review. It takes 30 seconds to type it. Five stars, say something nice about the show. If you're watching on YouTube, you can go over and do that. The Sal Vetri Show over on the iTunes store. $50 giveaway once a week. All that support, all that organic reach really does help out a ton. So why don't we just break down into it? I'll hop it over right now to the Vegas Insider Dashboard, where this stuff is going to not, probably not be updated in real time. By the time you're watching this, obviously, it'll be the future, so it'll be a different uh, time. But we'll, we'll zoom in on this, and I'll kind of start with my first pick that I'm going to be going to which actually ended up being my first pick last week. And let's actually go through last week and kind of talk about where we were right and where we were wrong. We went three and three last week. Our losses, Cleveland plus eight and a half. I mean, they just came out with a huge dud, right? Baltimore was fantastic. They looked exactly as good as they had been. Baltimore is as efficient as possible as they were last year. 12% touchdown rate for Lamar, 11 yards per attempt. Those are just insane efficiency numbers that we thought would regress. They didn't regress week one. And Cleveland looked like the exact same team as last year. Inefficient, ineffective Baker Mayfield, but he actually had somewhat protection this week. Only pressured on 28% of his dropbacks. He just couldn't get it done. So a loss there. We get the win in Washington. And once the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line and even Miles Sanders got ruled out, I was feeling even better about it. This is a really good pressure unit from Washington, top three in the league after one week last week. And this was a banged up Eagles offensive line that had a lot of rookies playing on both sides of the ball for the Eagles. And this one, and a lot of new additions on the defensive side of the ball, you get the actual win from Washington in a comeback. We got the win there. So overall, just to kind of go through it quickly, we went three and three. The losses were Cleveland. The losses were Detroit. The Andre Swift drop cost that one. And then the losses was Miami plus seven. I thought it was a decent bet. The game was close enough. Miami had chances to backdoor cover that thing just 
going to get it done. The wins for us were Washington plus six and a half, the Packers plus three and a half. If you watch the show, I said, if you can find the hook on the Packers plus three and a half, I didn't really want the plus two. I didn't really want the plus two and a half. I wanted that field goal hook on it. We found it. We got it. You can use all of these odds checker type sites uh, to look at all the different boards and all the different places offering lines. So we got that one. And then New Orleans minus three and a half. I really felt good about that one in Washington. They were two, my two biggest wagers of the week and they ended up paying off. So we're three and three and we start this week off where we started last week with a Philadelphia Eagles game, but I was on the opposite side of Philly this week. This week, I'm going to be on Philly, but hold the horses. Philly opened this week as three point favorites. And since everybody got to see the Rams take down America's team and do it in a very good way. I mean, you had play action passing clicking over 40% of the time. You had a very good yards per attempt and an over a 95% adjusted completion percentage for Jared Goff. They gave him time to throw, but is normally a bad offensive line. Malcolm Brown looked decent running the ball, but the big things were the efficiency numbers on offense. The pressure rate was top six in the league, number six overall after one week. This Rams team looked very good. And honestly, I would probably be on the Rams if you found that number at plus three or just at plus money at this point, but it's all about the number. I don't really fall in love with teams. I fall in love with the numbers and the lines and the value that you're getting. And I don't even know if I fall in love with that. That's probably a little bit of a stretch, but this Eagles team that opened as three point favorites. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have taken them as three point favorites. If you did, I'm sorry. If you got the plus three or plus four on the Rams, it's a really good bet to be on. But now I'm waiting. Right now, I just saw a plus two pop up for the Eagles for the first time in the week, and it's only Wednesday morning. So I was waiting on this. This was a bet that I just recently placed right before the stream and this show. I got a plus two on the Eagles, but I think you might even be able to wait later in the week. All the line movement, it's gone from minus three Eagles to plus two. We've seen line movement of five points already in one direction. So I do think you might be able to find the Eagles plus two and a half. I don't know if they get all the way to plus three, but if they do, I like that side of it. So although I actually like where the line opened to start the week with the Rams, plus three, plus four, I'm actually liking now the other side of it because the line movement has just gone a little bit too much. Look, Philadelphia had the number one week one pressure rate, right? This is a team that the Rams, yes, their offensive line held up to give protection to a man in Jared Goff in week one, but a lot of that was because of play action passing and the team was just on their toes from a Dallas Cowboys perspective. You have the number one pressure rate coming in with the Eagles. They can really blow up this offensive line. I expect the Eagles to have Miles Sanders back. I expect their offensive line and Lane Johnson and some other players to probably get a little bit healthier so the line doesn't look as patchy as it did week one against the Redskins. The Eagles, as always, used two tight end sets and they used a lot of it in week one. I mean, I'm talking about both their tight ends were on the field 79% of the time for Dallas Goddard, over 80% of the time for Zach Ertz. That kind of cancels out a strength of the secondary for the Rams where they're very strong at pretty much every single cornerback position. Now you have coming in two tight ends and you can only hold two cornerbacks out there. It's a much more disadvantage for the Rams defense when they have to cover both of those tight ends. And that's why the Eagles usually run that out there. It's a disadvantage for most defenses. So although the Rams are very good in week one, and again, I like them as a plus money bet, but you're just not going to find that bet anymore in the markets because of how good that they looked in a lot of efficiency standpoints, adjusted completion percentage, uh, pressure rates, all these types of things, yards per attempt, play action, all that type of stuff for Jared Goff. It's just moved to the point now where I'm actually on the Eagles side of this one. So maybe you can bubble it. Maybe you got both sides of the bet and you feel good now at this point. If so, props to you. But for me right now, it's going to be the Eagles. And honestly, you could probably wait a little bit later in the week and get an even better number if it starts to approach plus three for the Eagles. My next bet of the week is going to be Pittsburgh, which right now, if you're watching this early, there's still a five and a half out there. Minus five and a half for Pittsburgh. A lot of spots have already moved to minus six, minus six and a half, minus seven in some spots, minus seven and a half. But there's still one site out there that is offering minus five and a half as of like right before I started to record this one. So I jumped on that minus five and a half. At minus seven and a half, I probably don't want it. At minus seven, I'm okay if you can get the push on your websites, if it's a touchdown difference. Most NFL games finish between three and seven. That's why that's kind of that, that wiggle room to kind of move your teasers down through depending on the side of the teaser that you're on. But look, Pittsburgh looked fantastic. They were top five last year in pretty much every single defensive characteristic. If you're talking about secondary, Minka Fitzpatrick held there, but their secondary looked fantastic. Mike Hilton in the slot, Steve Nelson on the outside, Joe Hayden, that cornerback, that secondary looked great. They were top five in pass rush last year, overall top three, and they were top three in run defense. Well, you want to know what happened week one? They held Saquon Barkley to six yards. They had a over 50% pressure rate on Daniel Jones's dropbacks. This defense looked legit yet again. After one week right now, they were overall top five defense in the NFL, but they had their number two overall pressure unit after one week. 
week behind the only the other Pennsylvania team in the Philadelphia Eagles that we like. Again, that 50% drop back rate and pressure that they got on Daniel Jones is crazy. Yes, the Giants offensive line, although they tried to improve it this offseason, mainly through the draft with Andrew Thomas fourth overall, it is still going to be a patchwork, but over a 50% rate speaks a lot to your defensive line as well. Drew Locke in week one averaged six and a half yards per attempt. Melvin Gordon did not look that great. He fumbled. He was getting stuffed. And then you end up having Philip Lindsay uh, get hurt. So now they're going to have to rely mainly on Melvin Gordon, who I don't think is going to do much against this defensive line of Pittsburgh in their run stop. And the defensive line is going to have the advantage as of right now, according to Pro Football Focus, against the offensive line of Denver. Denver did get Graham Glasgow from Detroit in the offseason, which used to be Detroit's best offensive lineman. So they're going to have a little bit better offensive line than just last year's metrics. But they also lost some players who were opting out for the season on that line. Pittsburgh's secondary did struggle a little bit, but their pressure rate is enough for me not to worry about that. Sutton a little bit banged up as two, as if you just want to get into the actual player personnel of this game. We'll try to stick to the efficiency metrics. Drew Locke was a below average 6.5 yards per attempt. League average is a little bit over seven. And then in week one, they held Daniel Jones to below seven yards per attempt as well, this Pittsburgh secondary. So although their secondary struggled a little bit on big plays, mainly to Darius Slayton, they still held that team to a below average overall yards per attempt. And that pressure rate was a big reason why. I like Pittsburgh at minus five and a half. If you are, are betting it right now and you're looking and there's only like minus seven and a half, minus eights out there, I'd hold off. If you can find like anything under a minus seven, I still like it. But try and find that minus five and a half, maybe a minus six out there. That is my second bet of the week. We got Philadelphia right now, plus two. And I'm going to hammer it again if it gets to plus three. And Pittsburgh, minus five and a half. We're on the Pennsylvania teams to start this one off for our first two picks. Real quickly, before we get into the final two picks, I just want to let you know about Monkey Knife Fight. If you deposit a Monkey Knife Fight using promo code SALNFL, it's a player prop site. You can bet them more or less the over under and some player props, their receptions, their fantasy points, all this type of stuff. They will give you a $50 deposit bonus. That's what you're doing as a promotion right now for the NFL. Promo code SALNFL for a $50 deposit bonus. And I will send you my daily fantasy course DFS guide, which that DFS guide is a $90 value. It's 10 hours plus, plus downloadables and a bunch of different documents on daily fantasy sports, how to play in general, how to win, how to kind of track your bankroll, know the statistics, be less emotional overall. It'll probably help with sports betting too in those standpoints. And also a lot about NFL DFS. So you get that course that I'll email to you and you get a $50 deposit bonus using the promo code Sal NFL on Monkey Knife Fight, the sponsor of this video. It's a player prop site. Again, go check it out. It's linked down below. Why would you not be taking free $50 in a free $90 course if you just take two seconds of your time? So thank you. It's a great promotion. It's not going to be lasting long, I assume, probably like the first couple of weeks of the season over there. So check it out. I'll link down below. Let's get into our final two picks of the episode. Let's get into our third game now. It's going to be the San Francisco 49ers minus five and a half. You're going to find a lot of spots right now that have it at minus six. There's still a decent amount that have it at minus five and a half right now. I like this spot. You had this game opening. I mean, really, really opening like early in the week, like even last week at minus four for San Francisco. If you snagged it then, props to you. A lot of spots are moving to minus seven, as you can see right behind me on Vegas Insider. But I still see minus five and a half on my other screen right now, a ton of minus sixes. So don't be betting that minus seven if you're seeing it. Actually look around. There's going to be other spots where you can get a lot better lines on it, even over a point potentially, depending on where you're looking. And currently you're having 70% of the spread bets actually coming in on San Francisco and 84% of the money. So everybody's on San Francisco, the public, the sharps, it seems. Obviously you're going to have people that are sharp bettors and people that are public. I'm not going to say dumb bettors, but public bettors that are going to be on both sides of this one. But as of right now, the percentage of the money and spread is indicating that a lot more people clearly are going to be on San Francisco. And I'm one of them right now. Minus five and a half. Go ahead and get it before it gets to minus seven or minus seven and a half. Look, the Jets averaged 6.1 yards per attempt, well below average, almost over a yard below average for Sam Donald in week one. And San Fran only allowed 5.8 yards per attempt to Kyler Murray in week one. Look, Kyler Murray was not good in week one. He was good on the ground. Like overall, he was good. But in the passing game, he was not good. And it makes sense. San Francisco secondary is still good. Although I don't expect it to be like number one in the league like it was last year. 
last year naturally will, will regress. It's still good. Richard Sherman absolutely shut down Christian Kirk last week. And I believe that Richard Sherman, who stays on one side of the field, is absolutely going to shut down like Chris Hogan this week. Denzel Mims gets put on IR. You have Le'Veon Bell dealing with an injury. It doesn't look like he's going to be there. They just activated maybe the worst running back in the league last year. He was from an efficiency standpoint. Kalen Balaj, former Miami Dolphin. Adam Gaze is, I guess, somebody that he really likes. And then an old man who's like 37 in Frank Gore. So the running backs are just absolutely going to be brutal against a good defensive line of the San Francisco 49ers team. And the efficiency metrics are really what you want to pin down on. The Dreads struggled last week against a good secondary in Buffalo to put up any type of efficiency numbers from a yards per attempt standpoint. And it's going to happen yet again against San Francisco. So I don't really know how the Jets are going to be putting up much points here. They don't have a ground game. They don't have the advantage in the run blocking game there at all. They don't even have any weapons on the ground. And then they're going to have to rely on Sam Darnold in a very brutal matchup, maybe even a worse matchup than he had last week. If you want to look on San Fran's side of it, yeah, you had Jimmy Garoppolo playing fine. He played fine when it came to yards per attempt. He played fine when it came to an efficiency. They just couldn't get the job done overall. Kittle battled some injuries. Obviously, no Debo out there. They're still banged up, but Kittle seems to be fine after playing 98% of the snaps, even though he hyperextended his knee. All seems to be okay there. Then you have actually Tevin Coleman likely going to be playing this week. Look, Derek McKinnon looked good last week. Ran 13 routes, had a receiving touchdown, had like five targets, but Coleman only played six snaps because of the air quality with all the fires in San Francisco. So if Coleman's going to be on the field more now, this makes their ground ability even more threatening, right? Raheem Mostert had a good game, even in the passing game. Both the running backs did. But now you have the full triple threat now with Tevin Coleman back out there, which is where they thrive, especially if they're not going to have playmaker Debo Samuel, who's still going to be on IR. So I like both sides of this game for San Francisco, minus five and a half. I'll take it at minus six if, that, if that's all you have. Once it starts to hit minus seven or minus seven and a half, it's probably a stay away bet for me. But yes, it's going to be a really difficult spot for the Jets, who likely are going to open the season 0-2. And as of right now, my fourth and final game that you can see over my head is Washington and Arizona. What side do I have of it, do you say? Well, both teams are coming off of big wins, right? Uh, potentially letdown spots for both teams. Arizona knocking off in a huge way the San Francisco 49ers. Washington, from a comeback victory, knocking out the Philadelphia Eagles, who really banged up team in general and really couldn't do much with their offensive line there. But I'm actually going to be backing the Washington side of this one. Plus sevens are still out there. A lot of plus six and a half is. Obviously, get the plus seven if you could find it. I doubt you'll find a plus seven and a half, but maybe as the week moves on, you can find that. As of right now, you're seeing all the money come in on Arizona, but there's not a lot of wagers in as of right now on, on Vegas insider. All the money's coming in on Arizona. Nobody wants Washington, but percentage of the bets are actually coming in on Washington at this point. So it's kind of up in the air and really where this is leaning. It seems like people are on both sides of it. I like the Washington side of it for a couple of reasons. Washington in week one only allowed five yards per attempt to Carson Wentz. A lot of that had to do with the offensive line. It was just banged up. He didn't have a lot of time to find his guys downfield, but there were also times that he didn't. He just didn't look too good. He was a little bit rattled potentially. That was top three in the league from an efficiency standpoint as a defense. They were in the number three pressure unit only behind the two Pennsylvania teams in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. So I do like that. And again, Kyler Murray last week only averaged 5.3 yards per attempt against a very good San Francisco 49ers defense in secondary. So that's all fine, but 5.3 yards per attempt is not that great of an efficiency metric. And I get it. The defense was very good. So I would expect that to get a little bit higher here, but it's just the amount of points that you're getting here. Arizona's offensive line is not great. Arizona's offensive line from both a run blocking, but mainly a pass blocking advantage is going to be at a huge disadvantage against the front seven of Washington. Again, this sets up just like last week. You have Washington coming in as almost a touchdown underdog against a team that, yeah, they're going to be able to get to the quarterback and that's going to happen here. Although uh, compared to Carson Wentz, Kyler Murray's a little bit more mobile. That can lead to maybe positives and you can get a little bit more rushing yards for a running back or quarterback who had over 90 rushing yards last week on 13 attempts. But I'm going to be leaning to the points. Now, where are the disadvantages for Washington? Well, it's obviously on their offense, right? And maybe a little bit in their second that looked good week one, but a lot of that could have just boiled down to they got a lot of pressure on Carson Wentz and his wide receivers couldn't get downfield enough. But it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball where they don't have many weapons. It's just really much Terry McLaurin. Their offensive line is a little bit shaky, but the benefit is that Arizona doesn't really have a pass rush, right? Arizona doesn't really have much, right? Run defense is okay. Secondary is very meh, and then they don't have a pass rush, so they can't take 
advantage of Washington's weaknesses as much as I think Washington can take advantage of Arizona's weaknesses from both efficiency and pressure rate standpoints. And then last week, something to keep an eye on is Logan Thomas in the middle of the field, tight end. There's a lot of hype coming out about Logan Thomas, who's been in the league for a while now. He's in his late 20s. A lot of hype coming out about him in the camp. I kind of said, okay, we'll keep an eye on this, see what happens. He saw a 26% target share week one in the middle of the field. So now you have Cam Sims operating on the outside and in the slot. You obviously have Terry McLaurin. If you get any type of weapon in the middle of the field, uh, a la Jordan Reed, I'm not saying they're the same exact talent, but just somebody in the middle of the field for a quarterback who can kind of settle down and Dwayne Haskins, get some of the pressure off of him and give that to him. That's what you saw. Logan Thomas, second in the league after one week, only behind Dallas Goddard in targets for tight ends. He has eight. Dallas Goddard had nine in week one. So I do actually think Logan Thomas looks decent here for this team. And I think it actually helps them move the ball a little bit more. We don't need the victory here. We just need them to keep moving the ball, get into field goal range, get into the red zone, eat up the clock and just score enough points. I think that Washington definitely can keep this game close. And I'm actually on the Washington side of this one at plus seven right now. You're probably going to see these lines move. So last week, I think we placed overall six bets. We talked in detail about five of them, but we mentioned that Green Bay would be my lean in that game. If you could find the hook, I said, if you couldn't find the hook, then Minnesota, but we were able to find the hook at plus three and a half. We went three and three last week on six bets. We talked about five on the show. So we're talking about four in the show right now. So there's a chance I place one or two more bets on the lines in this one. So that's where I'm at right now. Our overall bets to start. Philadelphia plus two. I will continue to bet that if it moves to plus three, you maybe can wait a little bit because the line just keeps moving. Open that minus three Philly. Now it's at plus two. Pittsburgh minus five and a half. It's still out there as of my recording. I'm looking at the number right now. A lot of spots are moving to minus seven. So be sure to hop on that if you want it. And again, if you're going to be tailing my bets, I'm just making this information talking about what I'm doing. I am not Houdini in terms of winning 100% of your bets. Nobody is, right? I'm not trying to sell any picks here. I'm just talking about the information that I'm using to make these bets. And again, if you want to tail them and they lose, well, that's on you, right? You're the one placing the bet. You're the one just taking somebody's advice over the internet. But again, I am doing the objective information and trying to put some analytics and human reasoning behind it. And just know that if I lose these bets like last week, going three and three and losing to the VIG, that I lose. That yeah, DeAndre Swift did hurt my feelings a good amount there, right? Hit, hit my pride a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you want to be telling the bets off the internet, I am providing as great information as I can find, as objective as possible, but they're not going to be guaranteed by any means. And again, if you are also paying for picks on the internet for betting picks, cancel that because you're getting scammed. Anybody who charges you for picks is an absolute con artist when it comes to just sports betting and picks. Odds are they have to get their picks at the beginning of the week and you're probably not getting your picks then and also odds are they're not winning betters either so don't be paying for anybody's picks right i don't sell picks nobody should be selling picks because in my opinion you're an absolute con artist if you're doing that it has been said that there is only a hundred people on this planet that are long-term meaning like over a decade active winning sports betters hitting like at a 55 percent clip or the fourth magical 53 percent clip whatever it might be right 60 percent is well less than 100 that's over a decade so all the people that you're paying for their sites that are saying oh i'm winning 60 percent of the time they're just bullshit artists they're completely lying to you and you're just giving them money hand over fist to just take your money at that point, right? If you're doing this for an entertainment purpose, which 99% of people are, 99.9% of people are doing this for entertainment purpose, but you actually want to have a chance to actually win your bets and some information, this channel is going to be great for that. I'm not guaranteeing any picks, but I am going to give you as great information as you can be coming. The exact information that people who are profitable sports bettors obviously have a whole data model over here that I'm not going to get into all that because it's a little bit uh, too much for this type of a YouTube video, but similar stuff that those types of guys use. Yes, that's the information I'm going to be trying to share as much as I can compact it into a 20 minute video. So I'm just trying to look out for people out there that are currently paying like, I don't know, four picks, whether it's per pick or monthly, like just cancel that. If you're somebody saying that right now going like, damn, I'm actually paying for picks right now. Just think about it a little bit more when I'm telling you that there's literally like two people per state that actually win long-term uh, in America at betting. And I doubt it's the guy that's running a half sketchy site that he DMs you picks on Instagram, right? He's just taking your money. He's a con artist. He's probably wiping Cheetos off his chest as he takes your money. But that's where we're at right now. Philly plus two. We're going to move it to plus three if we can get there and take that bet. Pittsburgh minus five and a half. San Fran minus five and a half to get the Jets there. I love the efficiency standpoints on both sides of the ball. In Washington plus seven. 
I'm going to be watching some of these other lines later in the week as we go, and we'll recap it next week for the week three show. So I appreciate you tuning in. These are the week two picks. Uh, there's four of them that I currently have placed. That's all I got placed. If you're asking me, Sal, you had five or six last week. Where are they? I mean, this is all I got for you this week. I'm not going to be making a bets that I don't have place and talking about bets that I don't have place right now. So that's where I'm at. This is the Wednesday show. Hopefully you have a great rest of your week.